Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. This is part two to Andrea's interview. Uh, part one was released last time. So if you've just tuned in and started listening now, make sure you go back and listen to part one before you get to this one. Otherwise, it might be a little bit confusing. Um, today, Andrea talks about, um, you know, how to, to support people going through IVF treatment and things like that. Her actual fertility story is in part one, but this second episode is more about the post- part of of you know of fertility treatment mm-hmm. i suppose still really valuable um andrea is a really eloquent speaker and um you know is actually training to be a doula and wants to you know support women f- who have been through fertility treatment with that so yeah i think there's a lot of um, value in what she says in this episode as well just in the general handling of friendships and relationships and empathy and compassion for those relationships. Mm-hmm. Definitely. All right. We hope you enjoy listening to today's show. So what did you Thank say? You're 18, you're 18 weeks with her? Yeah, 18 weeks this week, which is um, the furthest we've ever gotten. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, you know, um, with, you know, utterly delighted um, but in the same breath, I've had a huge amount of anxiety throughout this pregnancy and really struggled mm-hmm. um, emotionally. Physically, I'm okay, but emotionally, I've, I've really, really struggled, um, you know, just with a lot of fear and anxiety and, um, yeah. <laughs> so how, just skipping backwards again, how did you find out that you were pregnant? So, you know, usually everyone starts testing four days after their five-day transfer and things like that. What what was your process with that? Yeah, look, I am a serial... Um, <laughs> tester? <laughs> a tester. I'm terrible, yeah, like yeah. actually terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, hubby Upton jokes that I should have shares in first response. I think we all um, should, to be honest. Yeah, we're like floating the company, you know, <laughs> single-handedly IVF women are, are keeping that company afloat. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I had, with my first two rounds, um, I had tested, um, tested out the trigger because even though the cycle, the first cycle was cancelled, we still triggered, um, because I have a tendency to make cysts instead of babies. Yeah. Um, so I had tested out the trigger um, to get a kind of gauge as to how many days it would take. And unfortunately, I was one of those women who um, it stayed in my system for 14 days. Oh, of course. So, <laughs> of course it did. Yeah. Um, so it just lingered and lingered and lingered. And it was never... Um, you know, a really solid line. It was always really faint, you know, but it just was there constantly. And so kind of knew by the time I got round to that third round um, what to kind of expect. And so I didn't start testing until I think it was maybe about 10 days post. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll just test out this last little bit of the trigger. 
um, and see how we go. And the lines were quite strong. <laughs> and I thought, eh, let's see what this looks like tomorrow. Or, you know, and then what ended up happening was, let's see what this looks like this afternoon because I can't wait that long. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, AM and PM, it's the only way to do it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and all of a sudden I've got my whole kitchen bench covered in AMPM, you know, and it's literally wet, like sticks you wee on and it's got my kitchen bench on, you know, it's kind of gross to think about now, but, um, you know, so, yeah, so um, from there the line started, you know, looking quite strong um, and, yeah, I mean, getting that phone call to say that you're pregnant, I mean... I burst in, like I just burst into tears. I couldn't even speak to my fertility specialist. Um, and you know, my beta was um, I think it was five five hundred and eighty, my first beta. So it was a you know, he was saying to me, You're very pregnant. Um, you know, which was exciting, but at the same time, you know, I don't think that fear ever leaves you. Um, you know, I've seen women with really, really low betas. Um, and they've doubled on top, you know, doubled within the, the 48 to 72 hours and they've just chugged along and, you know, ended up having really healthy babies. And then I've seen women like me with really high beaters who have ended up, you know, it's ended in miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, even though I had great numbers, it still wasn't a reassurance to me. Yeah. Yep. So, um, basically moving through your first trimester and things like that i mean you mentioned anxiety do you think going through fertility treatment and the loss of your other babies um has impacted you in any other ways during the pregnancy so far um i think one of the most beautiful blessings to come out of this whole process is how acutely um aware i am of my own body and that can be both a blessing and a curse, um, you know, particularly when you're in that two-week wait and you're looking for signs and symptoms. But, you know, for me now, I'm much more aware of my body, I'm, you know, much more aware of even my emotions um, and the way I process things and, and things like that because, you know, that, that hardship and difficulty that you've gone through really does, um, you know, sometimes, unfortunately, it is the best educator um you know it teaches you a lot about yourself so i mean that's one of the things i think i was i was acutely aware with this pregnancy um you know just sort of of my body and the changes and and you know i like to think of this process it's a, it's that beautiful um you know kind of maiden to mother mm-hmm. time um you know um, and I think it's it's really beautiful and really special, but at the same time, you know, for me, I think um, I just emotionally, you know, the physical stuff you can kind of handle. I mean, over, over this whole process, you know, we've been at this for five years. I've had four surgeries, um, you know, done the rounds of injections and things like that. And, you know, I, the physical stuff I can handle, it's the emotional stuff that, um, I really, really struggled with, and no matter how many times people say to you, "This pregnancy is different," or um, you know, I don't know, I can feel it in my waters. This baby's coming, or whatever they say. I don't know. Um, you know, there there is that um, when you've been through this process. There's also this 
utter um, ingrained. You know, you're told the whole way along that your body doesn't function as it should. Um, and there is this, you know, sort of conversation that starts to happen around your body failing you and, you know, it, it couldn't make babies, it didn't ovulate on its own, it grew all this disease, um, you know, and there's that that kind of period, you know, and and, and so far, you know, um, praying this one is different, but so far, you know, I haven't been able to take a baby to term. Um, and have a live baby. So there is a lot of um, emotional work that I've had to do on myself around, um, you know, my self-worth and, and what my body is capable of. Um, because I think the whole way through IVF, you know, when you're told, you're, you know, or fertility treatment, when you're told, you know, all the negative stuff, your body doesn't like the way it should and, and things like that. It, it's really, um, that stuff really gets ingrained into your psyche and it's really difficult to, um, you know, believe that you can do it. Um, and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a, a question. You, you start to doubt yourself and your own abilities um, because, like you said, yeah, your body hasn't done it before. So, And especially with your past experience, I can imagine that the particularly the first trimester, you must have been quite... Uh, you know, walking on eggshells almost. Um, did you tell anybody that you were pregnant um, or did you sort of just keep that to yourself? Um, so, funnily enough, we still haven't officially announced. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm 18 weeks. Um, so we haven't put anything up on Facebook. We haven't done anything like that. Um, our parents, I mean, God, um, God bless my dad, um, because since my mum passed, he has had to learn a whole heap um, about women's anatomies and periods and all sorts of stuff that I talk to him now that I would never, ever have dreamed of um, doing when I was a teenager, just mortified. Um, you know, but um, my dad's been so beautiful and supportive of us, as have Eli's parents. Um, so they were the first to know, obviously. Um, and then, you know, a couple of besties here and there. So we've told um, the people that, you know, are really close loved ones. Um, they all know. Um, but, yeah, as for an official announcement, um, yeah, this hasn't is, happened. This is it? This is your official announcement <laughs> on our it, podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exclusive. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so, and it's not that we're kind of, I mean, for a little while there, just certainly I wanted to keep it as close to my chest as possible because, um, you know, I, I didn't want to have to deal with people again and have to go through that whole process of, of going, oh, no, sorry, we lost the baby again, 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 you know. Mm -hmm. um, so um, certainly there was a part of me that, that wanted to keep it quiet for that purpose, but... You know, also too, because this is a really beautiful and intimate time for Eli and I, um, and we just get to live in this little bubble of, you know, watching my belly grow and, you know, he watched me vomit over the toilet for the first 14 weeks. So, you know, yeah. um, but it's all those little things, yeah, that we've, we've really reveled in and just enjoyed having just the two of us. Yeah. 
Um, so mm. how do you feel that um, this whole experience, so I, I want to say IBF and fertility treatment, but also just your whole experience that you've been through, um, how has that impacted, you know, your relationships, you know, with Elijah and, um, you know, your other friendships and family? You know, you were saying your dad has heard all about, you know, the women's anatomy and things like that, which <laughs> I, think's, I think that's great. You know, you're probably teaching him so much, but... Uh, apart from him, how how else has it impacted your relationships? Yeah, I mean, certainly um, for Elijah and I, um, we, uh, you know, it's we're stronger than we've ever been, um, you know, and we're just little best buddies. Um, I don't know what I would do without him. So in terms of our actual relationship, our marriage. I mean, it's certainly, um, we have had to have conversations along the way that no married couple ever um, wants to have, um, you know, and they, they've been some really awkward, ugly um, times, um, but never, you know, never in a, we were being horrible to each other way or fighting or anything like that. It was mm-hmm. just, you know, how do you make a decision to, you know, end your child's life? Yeah. you know what I mean yeah um and then of course for me different things you know have cropped up along the way I I had to read Theo's autopsy report I had to mm-hmm. you know I felt that that was my responsibility as his mother to know him as intimately as possible as I, as I ever could and was ever going to get um so for me it was really important but he, Eli still to this day has never asked to see it never asked to look at it doesn't want to read it Um, So it it takes a lot of understanding um, and space, particularly when it comes to grief and emotions and all of these hormones that you get pumped with and and all of that sort of thing. You know, you really have to be very gentle with each other and and just understand that you're a team and you're in it together. Um, You know, in terms of other friendships and, and things, you know, certainly with other family members and extended family, I've had some really shitty things said to me. Oh, sorry, can I swear? Yeah. <laughs> Too late. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I've had some um, really horrible, really shitty things said to me over the years um, and certainly that has impacted um, some of those relationships and, you know, I, I know certainly... There have been comments around the fact that, you know, obviously, you know, she's had a couple of losses. They've been through all this fertility treatment. They've been trying for five years. You know, they should just give up. Why don't they just call it quits? You know, all of that stuff. Um, So, you know, I've really struggled with things like that. I mean, even people saying to me, you know, the couple of people that do know um, about this pregnancy, I've had people say to me, you know, Um, because I'm very open with my story and I talk about Theo quite a lot and and my IVF journey and losses. Um, I've had people say to me, you know, basically, you know, kind of almost thank God um, she's pregnant again. Maybe it'll make her forget about Theo. (laughs) And, you know, and so to receive that response and I've learnt now I just have to take a step back and not be emotionally attach their comments because at the end of the day that's a reflection of who they are and it's not a reflection of who um i am or my grief process or um you know anything like that um certainly um you know this this isn't 
a, a busted ball, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Get, you know, popping a basketball and getting a new one. Like, this isn't the same thing when you're talking about losing a child, um, you know, and, like, she, my current pregnancy, this little girl, is not a consolation prize. It doesn't. Um, it also doesn't mean that you love Theo any less because you have another child either. No, and certainly um, the time that we had Theo, um, everything that we went through that, you know, we had quite a lot of difficulty getting access to services, um, you know, and all of, all of that sort of thing um, was extremely difficult and that has fundamentally changed me as a person. Um, you know, his little life has changed me as a person. It's made me more passionate about helping other women, um, you know, particularly mothers who have had to terminate for medical reasons. Um, It's made me um, far more empathetic. Um, I think I've always been quite a, a, you know, an empathetic person, but but this is on a whole nother level um, for me now. and I think people don't understand that when you're going through this process and there's so much happening for you um, and so much change going on, and particularly around IVF, you know, one of the things I really struggled with was that grief cycle happening monthly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it is that, you know, you start to get excited again, you know, period comes, start to get excited again, start stems or whatever, you know, medication, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then, you know by the end of the month, it's all gone bust and you're back to your period. Um, and I found that grief process relentless. I'm sitting relentless. We're and sitting here nodding. We're like, yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah. It, it was relentless. It was so tiring. And, you know, certain friends, you know, there were some friends that couldn't understand, you know, my level of fatigue or frustration or, or whatever it was when we were going through that process. And... You know, I think that utterly changes you um, at, at your core. Um, and, you know, I, I think for a lot of women, they'll never be the same again. And, and if their friends and family cannot understand that, um, you know, then I guess, you know, that's probably where I've lost a lot of a lot of friends because they just they just didn't get it. You know, and I think doing stuff like this definitely helps people to understand, you know, for friends and family. But, you know, the the people who are, you know, the friends and family who, you know, certainly that I experienced who were very supportive and were looking up, you know, my best friend looked up, you know, different herbs and, you know, we joke about them being like witchy things. Um, So she would, you know, tell me about this potion or whatever I could try. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I love it. And yeah, and um, you know, so but she was invested for me and was there supporting me. Right, you know, she's my ride or die. You yeah. know, so she was doing that right from the start. It's the other people who, you know, probably weren't invested and probably didn't care to invest either. Um, you know, and I have to face that reality. Um, so you know, did that going kind of th- dropped off. Sorry, so you you said at the very beginning that you changed careers and things like that. What do you think prompted that such a drastic change in your career? Do you think it was going through um, everything that you've been through um, or was it something that was sort of started before you wanted to try for a family? No, um, so certainly, like I absolutely 
loved what I did. Absolutely loved what I did. Um, and uh, I mean, at one point in time when we were doing IBS, um, you know, you know, it's crazy to look back on. And I think you know. I had this massive, massive um, project on. We had events right across, you know, right across the state. Um, you know, there was something like eighteen events across the state in four days. It was nuts. Um, and I went in for surgery two days before, and then went travelling around the state. And you know, that's how. You know, I guess like committed I was. I just loved my job, and I think as this process went along. Um, I really had to sit back and take stock of, you know, what I was bringing to the world and, you know, whilst being at, you know, every, everybody thinks PR, you know, they think, um, you know, Samantha from Sex in the City and it's all these fabulous parties and things like that. But, um, you know, to get to that, that point, you know, for the fabulous party to happen, there's a, you know, months and months and months worth of planning and work behind the scenes. Um, and for me, I, I just went, okay, whilst this is great and this is beautiful, you know, what am I bringing into the world? Um, you know, what, what good can I do and what's really important? Um, and so I've certainly taken a step back um, complete, you know, complete and out of 180 from, you know, corporate public relations to study to become a doula. Um, so it is, it is a drastic flip. Um, but I'm also, um, you know, really passionate now about, you know, I, I think the eventual goal for me um, doing the doula studies is to be able to support women who are going through termination for medical reasons and um, I think even using my experience to support women who have been through IVF, mm -hmm. you know, in you know through their births in a way better way because I understand the process and I understand, um, you know, the anxiety that comes with it and and that build up in the lead up. So, you know, for me it was really about taking a step back and looking at what I was contributing to the world and I just. I just really lost my passion and went, no, I need to do something different and I need to do something female-centric. I have this really big pull, um, you know, to, towards um, working with women. Um, and I think the other side of things is I also looked at my mum's life and, you know, she passed away at 58 and she had done a lot of good in, the, in this world, um, it, you know, and I think for me... I just wanted to think that, you know, no matter how long I'm here for, that what I've done during that time um, is beautiful and it's meaningful and it's made somebody else's day a little lighter or a little brighter um, and, and helped people, I think. Yeah. That's really, um, it's a really big shift. Like it's, just, like you said, it's a complete 180. So I find that really fascinating and sort of, yeah. I think it's really goes to show um, sometimes I think our hearts lie in other places and we don't really realize that until it takes, you know, sometimes it's a traumatic event for us to realize that and to just sort of embrace it and go with it. I think that's really something you should be proud of because it sounds like you're really sort of doing that and 
putting yourself out there it's it's brave it's really hard to do that so thank you for doing that thank you i think um you know at the end of the day for us i mean like we all still have to make money we've all still got bills to pay i wish we didn't but I, i think you know even if it's just a hobby or even if it's doing something like volunteering with sands um that you know i only do it's like a day every you know every few weeks every couple of months or whatever um you know it's not a huge commitment but it's something that um you know i believe i'm making a difference Mm -hmm. and um you know at the same time it's actually been very healing for me but yeah i I think giving back is one of the most important things that you can do and, and just helping others as much as you can because Life is really hard. Oh, yeah. It's Mm -hmm. really hard. And that's just in general, you know, managing bills and managing a household and managing jobs and, and, you know, whatever, all of that. Life is hard. And then when you're throwing challenges like IVF and, you know, pregnancy loss and um, those things into the mix, it's just, you know, people completely underestimate you know the, the depth and gravity of of what happens to people when they experience um, infertility, and I mean there's studies to show that it, it is linked to being on par with a cancer diagnosis, mm-hmm. but that's not commonly talked about. You know the stress that that these couples and families, you know, um, experience, um, and yet it, it's you know, it, and that is that is life changing. Mm-hmm. No one, no one would ever say that having a cancer diagnosis wasn't life changing. That's exactly um, right. Yeah, and and so when it comes to inter- infertility, um, you know, we we shouldn't be talking about it in any other terms. It is life changing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so just to sort of wrap it up, um, mm. if just our last question, what? If, is it again, Tiff? I forgot what it is. <laughs> She's got it all sitting in front of her. Well, we've got a couple. <laughs> so we, did, we haven't it's gone not over. over yet. <laughs> we haven't gone over just about um, as you were going through things, were you open with your friends and your family as they were happening with your treatment? Um, sometimes we well, – uh, well, um, we were very open with close family. Um, you know, so my sister and our, pa- our parents and things like that. We were very open with close family. Um, certainly, as time progressed, um, and we have been married for a little while, and people sort of started to ask questions going, when are you going to have children or, you know, whatever, um, I started to really get the shits around the secrecy of that. Um, and so I ended up just telling everybody, I'm just going, you know what, like I put it out on Facebook and just went, this is what we're going through. This is, you know, by that time I'd already had the first miscarriage. But, you know, this is what we're going through. And and basically, please stop asking me because Mm -hmm. this is like really annoying. Mm -hmm. Um, And unless you have a genuine interest in, you know, my treatment or how I'm doing or or whatever, please just leave it alone, Um, you know. Um, so yeah, so I've been very, very open um, about what you know what we've gone through. Um, certainly, I have never. Um, there are certain things that are just for Elijah and I, and even with that said, there's certain things that are just for me mm-hmm. um, because of what we went through with Teddy um, and a lot. You know, Elijah couldn't be with me um, for a lot of that day. 
Um, and I've never really spoken to anybody about that um, mm-hmm. that day. That's that's just for something that's between Theo and I. Um, and so there's some things that I have kept private. And you know, sometimes when we were going through um, going for a um, frozen embryo transfer or whatever, um, we kept it a secret. Just you know, whatever. And then maybe told people after. Oh yeah, you know, we'd had a failed round or whatever. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's been a mixed bag, just depending on how comfortable I am at the time and how well I'm coping and, you know, how I'm feeling and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What kind of advice do you have for the friends and family of someone going through fertility treatment? (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to ask. Where do I begin? It's a Um, bit of a loaded question, isn't it? (laughs) That is a very loaded question. Um look you know one of the biggest things i think if you you know if you genuinely care and love about a person you know love a person one of the best things you can do is um just listen you know um there's a thing called the companioning method um and it's actually used a lot for grief um but understanding what that companioning method means and it is a lot about um you know, sitting with somebody and holding space and allowing space for them to share their story, share their journey, express how they're feeling without judgment, without somebody coming in and trying to fix it or, or saying, you know, you should be doing this or you should be doing that or, or whatever. Um, so I think that in itself there is, you know, is a great tool and resource. But, you know, one of the simplest things to do is to get on line and google how do i help somebody through IVF? because there's literally thousands of articles that have been written about this and unfortunately i don't think people read them or get the memo because um you know people still continue to say some really fucked up shit um (laughs) but you know like take some time out you know it takes 10 minutes to read some of those articles and just get a better understanding of what they're going through and and you know, um, just being there, really listening, you know, don't don't have an opinion, don't tell stupid stories about, you know, the IVF unicorn that fell pregnant on a break from IVF, you know. Um, you know, just don't, just don't even go there, just support and listen and, and be kind and be gentle and, and understand that if you were going through this, you know, like, what would you want people to do for you, you know? And chances are um, anybody who's ever gone through any sort of level of tragedy or, or grief or, um, you know, experienced the difficulty of, um, you know, trying to conceive will understand that um, sometimes, you know, s- silence and listening um, is the best thing that you can do just being there for someone and take them food yeah take them food <laughs> because usually when you're that low like after a final round or fertility treatment you can't be bothered cooking for yourself take away take away and you, know, yeah. you know i remember prior to so we obviously had um theodore's diagnosis we knew what was happening and it was in those few days where we were leading up to surgery and I went through and I washed my floors, I meal prepped, I had frozen meals, I had, um, you know, made really wholesome, um, like beautiful soups, homemade soups, 
um, but again, I'm frozen because I thought, oh, this is really beautiful, nutritious food for post-surgery to help me recover. Um, but I had gone through and done this and, you know, washed and changed the sheets, washed and t- changed the towels and had gone through this whole process in preparation for, you know, having surgery and how I would feel after losing Theodore. And, you know, then I remember we had family and friends come and visit us and they literally ate all the food within like the first day. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was so heartbroken. I can't even because, deal with that. Yeah, and, and I was, I can't describe it because at the time, you know, it, it was beautiful that people were coming to see us and, and spend time with us, but it, I was also sitting there going, like, why am I hosting a dinner party the yeah. day after my son died and I've had surgery? Yeah. Like, why am I doing that? Yeah. Um, and sometimes people just don't think they, you know, they overstay their welcome and, and stuff like that. And I mean, certainly, um, you know, I've got some really beautiful girlfriends um, who I'm very, very thankful to have, um, you know. But I remember talking um, to somebody after losing Theodore um, and we had an abundance of flowers in the house. Um, and you know, from, you know, work colleagues, blah, 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 you know, all these flowers in the house. Um, and I remember reading this thing and talking to, you know, a girlfriend of mine saying, you know, don't be the friend that sends the flowers, be the friend that turns up in two weeks to, to throw the dead flowers out because it's just another job for me to do, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. If you could go back to the start, what sort of advice would you give yourself? Hmm. I really love um, the first line that you've written here. Um, (laughs) So you've said, um, girl, buckle up and hold the fuck on because this is going to be wild. (laughs) Heartbreaking, life-changing. I love that because when I read that, I actually, that was a really good laugh because I saw that so, it just embodies everything that, everyone feels after you know the whirlwind that is fertility treatment so i just wanted to include that <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't sure if it was appropriate or not totally appropriate um, but yeah you know like that is it in a nutshell isn't it like you know nobody could ever predict that uh, you know certainly like what you know when we started out with 27 fit healthy active you know nothing to give any indication that there was anything wrong with us or that we would have any issues um, in terms of trying to conceive. Um, And so you go from having this mindset, um, you know, of practically, you know, kind of, I'd say still uh, mid-20s-ish where you're a bit invincible still, Um, you know, but I think the reality is, is that absolutely nobody can prepare you for the things that happen in life um and that goes just you know for everything you know from losing my mum to my son being diagnosed with you know this extremely rare congenital condition that happens in 0.32 percent of out of 100,000 births um it is so rare you know I think the statistics are higher for being struck by lightning um and so you know for me this is just, I don't know, I, I don't like to think of what's happened to us as being, um, 
you know, how do you say it? Um, like, I don't want to think of everything that we've gone through as just being a process of things going tits up mm -hmm. over and over and over again. Um, because there has been some, you know, some beauty in the struggle. Um, probably as cliche and as shitty as that sounds, anybody starting IVF, you know, starting out with IVF or... Um, laugh at that. Or laugh. Scornfully. Or who's in the, you know, yeah. who's a veteran going through it. Um, but certainly for me personally, I've had to find that joy um, and find that beauty in the shittiest scenarios. You know, even taking things like Theo's hand and feet measurements and that that bringing me utter joy um, because I felt like I knew him more even though my child had died. Mm -hmm. um, so I had to take those, those any, any, any little scrap of joy I could get, um, you know, and try and turn things into a positive. But, yeah, certainly, um, you know, I think everybody just has to be a little bit gentler and a little bit kinder because none of us know what anybody's going through or, or what shoes they're walking in and um, the most random difficult stuff can be going on. Um, you know, I actually wish at the start of my journey I had gotten one of those little badges that said, please be gentle, I'm grieving, um, yeah. you know, to wear on my shirt because I felt like that, you know. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just you, no one can prepare you for this and you've just got to try and find as much grace and kindness, um, you know, as you can take out of it. And, and that's for yourself. You know that that um, that gentleness and that that grace. That's that's towards yourself. It's not for anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's it's that little bit of self love and, and nurturing. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's really important, particularly going through like fertility treatment and losses and things like that. Because um, I know for myself, I have a tendency to put myself last and other people first, and that has been a really big learning curve because you know your the female body is important when trying to create a child and if you're not looking after your mental health then your body is not um, necessarily healthy either so I think learning to put yourself first and foremost and like you said being gentle and, and graceful with yourself is a really important aspect that I don't think a lot of people take on board no and and you know i don't think we're um i don't think we're taught that and that that's acceptable you know i think i mean i grew up with a working mum mm -hmm. um you know she was in that generation um but she was a working mum and i you know i watched her slog it out and raise three kids and you know she also did a huge amount of charity work and um you know she'd take in random kids and random babies and there was never a dull moment in our house um, you know, um, and, you know, I watched her slog it out for years and years and years and then, you know, I also watched her um, neglect her symptoms when she started to get sick and to ignore them because she was busy and she had stuff to do. Um, and so, you know, for me, that was a really big lesson to learn back then, you know, I was 23 when I lost my mum, that you know, hold on, take a second, you know, it, it doesn't take much to get yourself to the doctors if you've got a concern. But um, certainly I think, you know, 
we have definitely you know been brought up in this society of you know women can have it all and do it all and you know you've got to go to gym and you've got to work full time and you've got to have this career and you've got to um you know be this and be that but even today i think maybe that's part of um the process i've been through like i've stopped just giving a fuck yeah um and maybe that's part of the the um career change as well is that i've let go of um that, that, that is the de- de- definition of success because it certainly wasn't when I was slogging my butt out working 80 hours a week, um, you know, and killing my body and going through IVF at the same time. Yeah. And nobody gave me nobody gave me a medal for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? What? Like, Are you kidding me? Why not? Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing, isn't There's it? There's no award process at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. I mean, we're all racing towards the same finish line, which is death. And I think people are just, yeah, they forget that you know we're all going to the same place. We're all going to end up in the same place. Like, why don't you just enjoy it a little bit more? You know? Yeah. And I mean, I remember going through the process of um, you know packing up my mum's things, and she had you know beautiful pajamas that still had the tags on that she was saving for you know i don't know maybe a holiday or something i don't know she was you know had kept them special Mm -hmm. these beautiful pajamas that she had never worn Mm. and you know still had the tags on them and i you know and now i go through and i think if if i'm having a glass of wine stuff it i'm having it out of a crystal glass yeah you know i'm not saving the good china Mm -hmm. um you know, let's, things are here to be enjoyed and made the most of. So yeah. um, that's certainly, you know, one thing along the way. But, yeah, I think, you know, my definition of success throughout, the, you know, has changed definitely yeah. um, because of this process and this journey. so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Valette Gilyshenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.